Welcome back, everybody. This is Gameplay. I'm your host, Matthew Cos, right here on TSN 1050. I uh, would mostly recommend my next guest's podcast. It is the Gojo Show podcast. It's easy to get. Also, it's just G-O-J-O. Type that in, and, and you'll find it. I've been listening today on uh, yesterday's episode on Stitcher, uh, and he's joining us now, former offensive lineman, Mike Golick, Jr. Mike, first, thanks for joining the show, but I didn't expect to hear sealing your lotioned body inside. I think you were talking about underwear or something on yesterday's show. I did not expect to hear that phrase. Yeah, uh, spoiler alert for today's episode, then, if you listen, we talk about how sexy the M&M uh, characters are that sell the M&Ms that are no longer the spokes candies for M&M. So it gets a little bit weird sometimes. We try and yeah. save that till the very end of the podcast after all the sports stuff for the people that are really dedicated to it, but occasionally it does leak into the beginning. So, uh, you know, uh, sorry, I'm not sorry. Uh, as a Canadian, I like Smarties more than M&M's. And if it's going to be sexy, give me the brawny fella from the paper towel. He's got a, he's got like a plaid shirt. He's got an axe. He's got a beard. It's like he's he's chopping wood in the Quebec forest. The brawny guy is uh, that's that's my uh, that's my go to. The brawny paper towel guy is definitely up there. It, it, you know, little gray area because he's actually like a human character. Same goes for Mr. Clean, who obviously mm. has been stacked yeah. up big time in some of the Super Bowl ads recently. But I want to offer a sleeper up to you guys because I saw a Twitter thread about this. People are sleeping on the Jolly Green Giant. That guy oh, yeah. is big. Everyone's looking for a big boy right now during the cold winter months, and the Jolly Green Giant is ready and up to the task. Oh, 100%. Those abs kind of scare me. And because I'm tired, I'm tired on Sports Talk Radio where all we do is objectify men. Uh, the woman on the raisin box maybe gets some votes, but I hate raisins, especially on Halloween. So I think I'm going to have to disqualify her from this list. There, you know what? I appreciate you're a man of great taste who understands that yeah. while raisins, listen, I'm fine with raisins in regular life. On Halloween, they have no place. I either want something, like you said, something sweet, something juicy, or something covered in chocolate. Leave the race yeah. for another day. By the way, we will get to sports, but I'm not lying. Uh, my, I'm actually holding a Halloween arrow candy bar, but the Halloween-sized oh. little arrow candy bar that my girlfriend dropped off right before I started doing the show today. I'm literally holding a Halloween candy wrapper in my hand. See, you and I are kindred spirits because that's one of the greatest parts about being an adult around Halloween is especially if you're in the business of giving out candy. I made that switch a long time ago. And when you do that, you end up buying candy in bulk and have extras. And I kid you not, I have the same setup in my kitchen. We're up on the top shelf. I try and put it in there as far away as possible so I don't go there too often. I have a bag of the fun-sized peanut M&M bags in there. And so you go oh, rip it off. It's like eight or ten M&Ms and a handful, but it's just enough to get you through the day. So great minds think alike. <laughs> Joined by Mike Golick Jr. Check out the Gojo Show podcast for hot football talk like this. Um, I, I sort of wanted to go big picture with you for a second. I heard the quote from the Buffalo Bills general manager saying, we don't want to suck enough to be able to draft a Jamar Chase. I get what he was saying. Some people got angry, but it's Twitter. Everyone's always angry. But what I wanted to ask you about is how much do we forget about the role of luck? when we discuss dynasty teams or teams that are looking like they're heading that way. Because I think about Cincinnati. They had bad luck in 2020. Joe Burrow, as a rookie, 
tore his ACL and MCL. They go two and four down the stretch, but then they get lucky enough to get the fifth pick overall in the draft, and they take Jamar Chase. So the bad luck from the injury to, to Joe Burrow led to the luck of them getting Jamar Chase. Yeah, and listen, that's always been a part of the history of the NFL, right? I always go back to the Indianapolis Colts. They lose Peyton Manning for an entire oh. season of that neck injury, and then they're so bad they're able to go out and draft Andrew Luck and begin what they thought was going to be the future of their franchise. Obviously, things with Andrew went a different way because of his own injuries, but it's that idea that, yes, you can never account for every outcome as an NFL front office. And so I think, in general, what the best teams do and what the best front offices do is they adjust to these situations and they are adaptable based on the resources available to them. If you look in the postseason this year, the poster child for that would be the Philadelphia Eagles, right? Howie Roseman in that front office, they win a Super Bowl in 2017 with different quarterbacks, a different head coach. They have to yard sale all of those guys. And then they're able to go back in, use the few pieces that are holdovers as sort of that foundation to build around and make really aggressive moves and really smart draft picks like Jalen Hurts in the second round to go and fill this out. So, yeah, it's a difficult task, but we consistently see the best front offices and thus the best teams in the NFL kind of able to adjust to that luck, good or bad. Yeah, and you also need to be lucky to have dumb, dumb GMs like the Titans to trade away A.J. Brown for a first-round pick. Uh, again, follow me on Twitter at Mike Golick Jr., but just JR. And Mike, if you check your Twitter account, you will see uh, a picture of a arrow and a Smarties. Uh, and by the way, those wrappers are because I've already consumed them. As a former offensive lineman, what did you see from the Bengals' supposed depleted offensive line? Because, I mean, to me, that was the thing that jumped out the most. Every time Mixon got the ball, he was getting like seven, eight yards. Yeah, I think that was the thing that stuck out most was they were always falling forward. They were always finding that little bit extra. They looked like the team that was way more built for the elements than a Buffalo team who prides themselves on that. Buffalo is a franchise, as a city. It's supposed to be blue-collar, we're used to the elements, and this is what we play in. Cincinnati came with a really smart game plan, though, in addition to that, because when you've got backups in on the offensive line, and I got my, you know, starting my career at Notre Dame coming in as a backup off the bench when an injury happened, and it's so much easier to go forward and try and dish out pain and try and dish out blows in the run game than it is to have to back up and try and block these incredible athletes that these defensive lines are throwing at you. So that's number one is they were able to let those guys get downhill. They ran north and south in the snow, so the running backs didn't have to worry about trying to make cuts, trying to tiptoe so they wouldn't slip or fall in the snow. And then when it came time to pass, Joe Burrow helped them out like he has all year, like he has the last two years, getting the ball out of his hands quick. Joe Burrow didn't help win that game with big plays down the field. They weren't taking shots like Josh Allen and the Bills were. Joe Burrow won that game with remarkable restraint, understanding I got three new guys in here up front. I can't put them in a bad position. So I'm going to get the ball out of my hand quick. I'm going to take the checkdowns that are there. We're going to build this plane out of short passes, quick passes, dinks and dunks, and we're going to live to fight the next down so I can get into the red zone and then make some of the lethal throws, then make some of the big plays here. So I thought from game plan to quarterbacking, and certainly those guys up front deserve credit for stepping up. It was a complete team effort from the Bengals' offense and getting those guys through that game.
Oh yeah, I I I, I couldn't believe it. Just it was. Uh, I, I thought Cincinnati would cover. I didn't know. I didn't think they would win. And instead, they that's the worst uh, loss the Bills have had in basically a year and a half. As, as for their opponent. How much of this game comes down to the high ankle sprain of Patrick Mahomes? And if he doesn't have the mobility to extend plays, and I mean, they dominate on third and long conversion all year. And to me, like, how big a story is this high ankle sprain? It's massive. It's massive. And I'm really fascinated to see how the Chiefs adjust with the benefit of the week's time to game plan. Because when you go back and look at when Patrick got hurt in the game against Jacksonville, yeah, he went out and they were able to bring in um, their backup quarterback and have him go on a 98-yard drive. And, you know, Chad Henney, who's a veteran in this league, they kind of had a different offense for Chad, right? It was so much of what we see in Andy Reid and openers or in the red zone where it's a ton of motion pre-snap and it's a lot of different formations and they give the defense a lot to consider. And then when Patrick came back in, it was more of what we've been used to. It was as if Patrick had not been hurt. It was a little bit more stagnant. It was still reliant on him moving around and making some plays. And so I wonder with a week's time to prepare if we'll see more of that stuff done to help Patrick Mahomes, who mobility-wise is going to have to check himself a little bit. And that's a difficult thing for a guy who's so used to being able to rely on that. In some ways, he's got to check himself the way maybe you could say Joe Burrow, who, who as you said earlier, uh, that he had to show restraint at that moment and not keep going deep over and over again. And we'll have to see the same from uh, from Patrick Mahomes. On, uh, on the other side, or sort of about the NFC Championship game, but what's the bigger story today, Mike? Is it the 49ers beating Dallas, or is it everything surrounding Dak Prescott? Uh, I mean, listen, they're the Cowboys, so it's probably the Cowboys. I think people weren't surprised that the 49ers went and pulled that game off, right? They were the favorites. They've been one of the best rosters in the NFL all season long. The Brock Purdy story has been legitimately incredible. That's some Disney movie stuff. But I think for Dak Prescott and the Cowboys, it's interesting because, and you guys know this, the way we all cover sports, it's become so 24-7, so 365 We're always looking for the big solution. We always want to know who we need to fire, who's the big signing we need to go out and make. It's a lot harder when you're close and you're very good and there's not a ton left to do. Like, yes, could the Cowboys be more aggressive like their NFC East counterpart in the Philadelphia Eagles with some moves that they make? Sure, but they had a pretty good offensive line that kept that clean for the most part that they can continue to build around. They've got a defense with Micah Parsons, who's going to be a defensive player of the year nominee for probably the next five or six years. And that side of the ball that held up its end of the bargain. And you've got a quarterback in Dak Prescott who more often than not is a top 10 quarterback in this league. And more often than not is a big reason why you're doing high level winning. And so with that core in place, you've got some additions to make. You've got some tweaks and certainly some things with the salary cap that you're going to have to reckon with. But overall, I don't know if there are massive sweeping changes. I don't think you should fire Mike McCarthy. You're certainly not going to move on from Dak Prescott. So what you're left with is a very good team that's got to figure out how to be great while they watch their counterpart in the division do it yet again in the Philadelphia Eagles. Mike, that is a fantastic answer, but on a Wednesday, that is a horrible answer. The correct answer is they need to get Sean Payton and Tom Brady and get this done and get it done now. Fire Mike McCarthy, and Dak Prescott is basically Kurt Cousins with a better PR agent. That's how you answer that question on a Wednesday. Man, see, you know what? This is what's happened. I've gone soft becoming a podcaster now. 
where I'm allowed yeah. to sit here and deep dive. I'm forgetting my roots as a sports talk radio guy. That was a master exactly. class right there. I'm fired up now. Burn it all to the ground here. And you know what? Sign Zeke Elliott to an even bigger contract. Jerry Jones, double down. Don't let people tell you how to spend your money. Who cares if Tony yeah. Pollard was infinitely more successful? Sign Zeke again, nose rings forever, jumping in the Red Bull, all the good stuff. I love it. The oldest coat or the oldest owner with the oldest quarterback. And coming up next, why the Tony Pollard injury was good for Dallas. You're listening. Now, anyway, um, uh, as we uh, as we end <laughs> as we end this, I, I want to get you, uh, get you, Mike. If you can tell me how I should feel, I'll give you two options. Should I be angry or should I feel old? And here's the reason why I'm asking you this. My producer, who is 20 years old. I asked him, name one Al Pacino movie. He said Goodfellas. Should I be angry or should I just feel old? Oh, this is the answer is always old. Now, again, for the air, you should be angry. You should spend the yeah. beginning of every segment taking calls, having people tell yeah. this 20-year-old why they're so wrong. It's my favorite yes. pastime in radio is getting a young producer, getting a young board op, a young PA, and reminding them how much better things were when I was their age. But... No, Hell it yeah. should make you feel old. Every day I feel older and older watching. And honestly, it's watching guys, you know, Joey Porter Jr. being draft eligible now. Oh, I was just no. looking up about Bradshaw's kids. The, the Virginia what? Tech is a wide receiver. You know, we got Arch Manning coming up in the ranks. It's just really difficult to try and process all this. So the answer is old. But, again, don't let that stop you from the content thing. Again, we're sports talk radio. We're going to burn that yeah. young person to the ground. Absolutely. Then I'm going to segue into why millennials are all soft and you need to put the avocado toast down and you need to pick up a VHS copy of Casablanca and go watch some classic movies back from the day. Hey, Mike, always appreciate everyone out there listening. Go check out the Gojo Show podcast. It's easy to spell. It's easy to find. It's great. Follow him on Twitter at Mike Golick Jr. Uh, always appreciate Mike. Enjoy this weekend's games, uh, and hopefully we'll be able to talk soon about which coach most needs to be fired. There we go. We'll be ready to burn it all down next week. Thanks for having me. Hell yeah. Take care. That is Mike Golick Jr., former offensive lineman in the NFL and, of course, at Notre Dame. And, yeah, just a great broadcaster, whether it was on ESPN Radio and on his podcast now.